Welcome to Season 4 of Business Book Talk. I'm your host, Bob Garlick. This year, we have even more great books to help you excel in business and life. You can search for book topics and themes at businessbooktalk.com or subscribe using your smartphone for great content on the go. Everybody's Bob again, and I have the nice reboot: a guide to becoming a better female entrepreneur. Penina Ryback is the author. I have her on the line, way over in New York, uh, and uh, we had a very interesting beginning because Google is down. I know that's a historic event, but the day that we're going to be using Google, Google basically blows it. So that's okay. We got her on the uh, on the phone. So. Benina, how you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, happy morning to you. Good morning. For me, it's afternoon. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that we're able to do this. Who would have thought that we'd still be thankful for phones? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Google Hangouts has been down since uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the morning. So, yeah, it's, it's a definitely an interesting day. Yeah, definitely embarrassing for Google. A little bit of a black eye, guys. But, hey, let's not... <laughs> That's not hard part about those guys. Let's talk a little bit about your book, A Nice Reboot, A Guide to Becoming a Better Female Entrepreneur. Uh, why do you call it A Nice Reboot? I called it The Nice Reboot because, number one, I'm a bit of a techie, and number two, I think it's time for women entrepreneurs to kind of reboot. Reboot their thinking about humanity, about technology, about how to balance that to achieve better work-life balance, which is something that we women, let alone women entrepreneurs, are very concerned about, as you can imagine. And uh, I uh, think it was a bit of a play on words, and it definitely gets people asking, what's in that title? Yeah. So thanks for asking, and <laughs> ho- hopefully it'll continue to generate a lot of curiosity and interest uh, on the outside and on the inside of what's inside that book. <laughs> so, what, what made you? Uh, what motivated you to write the book? What What was your uh, muse, as they would say? Uh, truthfully, i I started out uh, as a pediatric. A speech language pathologist, a speech therapist who was an autism specialist and a Mac evangelist. I was an ed tech consultant in the school system and I always knew that I wanted to start my own consulting business when I reached a certain point in my career where I felt I knew enough of what I could share in terms of uh, technology, in terms of best practices in education, but I really didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur, and then the Great Recession happened. And a lot of women that I was meeting when I was crisscrossing North America were not only coming up to me at the end of my seminars, my socially speaking seminars that I was giving through my own company, Socially Speaking LLC, but at that point still not calling myself an entrepreneur. That was, you know, starting in 2009. A lot of women were coming up to me asking me not only questions about Apple technology and then iPad technology, which is what I was lecturing on, or social skills and behavior management and language development in kids with autism, they were asking me, how are you managing in this recession? <laughs> how, how are you getting your business off the ground? How did you know to become a limited liability corporation? Uh, how do you 
managed to get speaking gigs. Well, what's going on here? And then I started to realize that it's time to have a greater conversation, not just about the way we educate children, uh, especially in America where I live, but the way we educate professional women in different industries, how to maximize what they know in order to bring in a second revenue stream or in order to further, you know, social enterprise for the greater good of the community. And truthfully, uh, I was supposed to officially go into business with my best friend since childhood, but when she passed away after losing her three-year battle with cancer, she passed away in December of 2012, one of our last conversations was, you know, you've been a teacher on the road, now it's time to be a teacher in the book. It's time to put everything on paper. And I said to her, uh, I'm not an official entrepreneur. And she goes, yeah, honey, you are. <laughs> and uh, this uh, framework that I developed, you know, based on being an ed tech consultant, based on being a speech-language pathologist, which really is involved with education and social communication became the basis for the NICE reboot and will be the basis for my NICE initiative, which I'm working on launching, you know, once my uh, book really gets out there. It's really only been out in stores for two weeks. Yeah, thanks. So it was a very interesting personal and professional journey that came to a head in August when I teamed up with Jim Pennypacker my editor at Maven House Press, and we both uh, gave birth to the Night Free Boots. There it is. <laughs> well, I, Six, seven, eight months later, it's out now in stores, and it's out on Amazon. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, eight months to, to, to whip up a book. I mean, I know the fastest book I've ever heard done was, was six weeks, and uh, a lot of people take several years to do it. Uh, it's a lot of work, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to write a book. She says, well, you, you know, when you get... When you finish, get back to me, and they very rarely get back to me because it's it's so hard to get from, okay, I've got all the words, I've kind of got it in chapter form, I'm starting to edit, and by the time you get there, you're so burnt out, then you've got to start, not that you've got the book in form, then you've got to start promoting it, and there's a whole new other bowl of wax. Did you find it was a little bit overwhelming? I'll tell you the truth. I have a confession to make. Uh, it kind of became part of my daily routine, and I'll tell you why, since... 2009, when I was promoting my own company, Socially Speaking LLC, I gravitated towards social media. And also being a bit of a techie, I saw right away how powerful utilizing content curation apps like Pocket and Evernote could be. So I was saving and clipping and learning. You know, I believe in being both a student and teacher of life in all its facets. So I'm constantly reading, I'm constantly learning, and I'm constantly saving you know, to uh, uh, Evernote, to Pocket, uh, to all my bookmarks. And I had a lot of conversations with people who were asking the same questions over and over. And that became the outline that then became the basis for my book. Mm. Well, that's so true. I mean, I, I do the same thing with my blog posts. There's a lot of times when people ask me a question that I've answered a million times, I say, oh, yeah, that's a really good question. By the way, here's a post that I did about it a year, a year and a half ago. So, right. yeah, it's, it's really... And, and today, yeah, today it's really all about sharing that knowledge with people because with social media and blogging, 
you know, virtual mentorship is not something, you know, that you see in the movie iRobot. It's actually happening. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> we're all globally connected now. I mean, you're in British Columbia. I'm in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just feels uh, normal. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, uh Given what I was doing, given, uh, I guess, uh, the tech savvy that I had of how to, you know, frame everything and how to save everything, it was easier for me. And I think that's why the book was finished so quickly. But the truth of the matter is, I think I was driven. This is my tribute. I've dedicated the book to my best friend. And I think it was existential therapy (laughs) to write down about... uh, different things that we had talked about doing that she never got the chance to do with me. You know, it's a real how-to book because, you know, it goes in and you say, here, this this is a particular device and this is how you use the device and this is the things you put on the device. It's an amazing how-to book. So it's almost like an instruction manual. It's like if you want to uh, be an entrepreneur, whether it's male or female, there's a ton of amazing information in here. Thank you. I really tried. You know, I'm somebody who, uh, as a pediatric speech therapist in the educational system, really believes on hands-on practical information. My seminars that I give in the educational community are known to be educational and entertaining. Uh, The writings that I do, whether for the Huffington Post, where I have a female entrepreneurship column every week, or for my Tumblr or my WordPress blogs, contain a lot of practical information as well as psychological information that women entrepreneurs need to know about, such as those found in my book. Uh, You know, how to leverage social media, how to use an iPad, which I believe is becoming a real game changer in the world of entrepreneurship, just like it's becoming a real game changer in the world of education. How to actually reboot your way of thinking so that entrepreneurship can be achieved more readily and, you know, uh, while achieving both profit and purpose. I think that we women are hardwired a little bit differently than men, how we think about business, how we approach business, uh, how we get funding for business, although that's not necessarily by choice. It's still a good old boys club in terms of the venture capital uh, circles. So my book really tried to give women the kinds of tools and the kinds of writings and information that I didn't find in other books. And believe me, uh, I've been I've been looking. I read over 300 business books to help with me with my framework for my chapters in my own book, and I even included 75 of the most relevant books which I felt were in keeping with the nice philosophy and uh, a lot of people have asked me why nice it's true that I it's another play of on words in terms of you know nice women because I do believe that all entrepreneurship should have an element of social entrepreneurship especially for women especially with the way we're hardwired but I actually developed a framework in my book called nice nice informed competent entrepreneurship and there were a lot of business books about team building and leadership and strategy and uh, you know how to gain venture capital. And that's great, but there weren't too many practical how-to books for women entrepreneurs that also contained the psychological aspects of entrepreneurship and the technological aspects, such as social media use and iPad use, which is so relevant to us, especially today. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's also um, it's very interesting because the like you've mentioned several times is is the the woman's mind is is wired slightly different than the male mind, and uh, I think that they're just, they're more visual and more tactile. And a, a tool like an iPad or or any of the pads that are out there is perfect because really it's the best of both world best of both worlds. Uh, am I wrong in that being a guy or or am I hitting the nail on the head or missing no, it you're, slightly? You're, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you've totally you you've totally hit on something which you know we're still debating in the halls of academia and in the halls of entrepreneurship startups. You know, uh, companies, nature versus nurture. The truth is, in today's society, we are all becoming visual creatures because operating systems, whether you're a PC or a Mac, are recoding the way you learn based on how often we're looking at our screens, based on how much reading and texting and typing we're doing. Uh, I've always been a visual learner personally, and I've worked many years with children with autism who scientifically are visual learners. Uh, so it was, I, I naturally gravitate towards the iPad based on my theory of mind, my perspective, my empathy, my inner landscape. But I can tell you that for an entrepreneur, especially a woman, you know, who needs to sim- seamlessly transition between doing a presentation and then curating content while on the, you know, the commuter train, uh, for her next social media post or blog post or, you know, having to check her email or go online and, you know, check on, uh, you know, uh, how her daughter did in the school play on YouTube. The iPad is really a very valuable tool, you know, to, to do that. Um, it's always been joked that men are really the visual creatures, but I don't really think that's true anymore, given how uh, we have literally changed the way our brain functions and... You know, MRIs are showing that the visual cortex is becoming bigger in babies today than 20 years ago, you know, because of uh, all the visual stimuli that we're being exposed to. And that's just going to increase as cloud computing and mobile technology just, you know, take over the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, because this book is full of uh, uh, amazing stories and anecdotes and, and, and information, stuff like that. And this is a totally unfair question, so you can deny it. But. What's your favorite chapter? Which which chapter do you think is, is the most powerful, the one that really hits the nail on the head for you? That's a good question. Uh, I like what I did at the end in Chapter 5. I made a joke in Chapter 5 that if you're someone who can't go to a movie without seeing the trailer or you have to pick up a book in the bookstore and look at the end first to decide if you're going to buy it, this is the chapter to read. But what I liked about that chapter is that I... I summarized everything that I, you know, that I wrote about in the book, but I really hit home the point that it's not wishful thinking or naivete or me being in education that makes me say we have to have social entrepreneurship embedded into all entrepreneurship. It makes sense geographically. It makes sense financially. It makes sense economically. It makes sense morally. You know, uh, I lived through 9-11. I lived through the Enron scandal. Uh... I lived through, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, different uh, variations of the tech movement and the entrepreneurial movement. And I guess, given my background, I'm all about finding puzzle pieces and patterns and putting them together to show a greater picture. 
and chapter five shows the greater picture that entrepreneurship has to be about purpose, not just profit. That entrepreneurs, especially with social media, especially someone like me who writes a book, I have to be prepared to provide virtual mentorship and thought leadership that will help other people find their way. No, I'm saying we're no we're no longer you know just producing a product that you know will make a lot of money uh, you know uh, for surfers in California, but uh, people in Manhattan or in uh, Bangladesh are not going to know about it or not going to use it. We are all interconnected, and that has a lot of ramifications economically, environmentally, socially, educationally, and morally. And that's really why I like Chapter Five because I think it hits that home. Hmm. You also talk in Chapter 5 about the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. So how to think like an entrepreneur versus a business owner. What's the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner? I think the truth is, is that I started out being a business owner. And then I realized that a business owner thinks short term and an entrepreneur thinks long term. And a business owner has a plan that's really about profit and survival, where the entrepreneur has a plan that's about profit and purpose, and not just survival, but thrive, thriving, you know, thriving and creating and collaborating with others who are like-minded individuals so that we can develop uh, an ecosystem, not just a, a business plan. Both a business and, and an entrepreneur have a mission statement, but I think that an entrepreneur's mission statement, you know, steps out onto the global stage, whereas a business owner's mission statement steps out into the community, you know, the physical community. The entrepreneur can have influence over the cyber community in ways that a regular business owner does not have. Do you think like an entrepreneur is more of a creative, high energy, uh, will try anything type of person compared to the business owner? And business owner is more, at least in this trend, in this definition, um, is more a person that has a, sticks to a system? I think that the business owner has to stick to a system because they have a very specific service and product that they're trying to get out so that it has a very finite shelf life. I think an entrepreneur has services and products that then, given the right opportunity and the right you know, uh, uh, ecosystem, joins up and, and then converts into other services and products in the most surprising ways. You know, the, the, the bottom line, I think, is that the business owner is about product, but the entrepreneur, in my opinion, can and should be about the process. When you were putting this book together... Because it, 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 you know, it, you've got the technical side of things, and then you, uh, you've got a, almost a philo- philosophical side of things, and and your backstory and stuff. For you, what was your aha moment where something really crystallized? You knew it was a reality, but once you were writing the book or in the middle of the book of writing the book, it was like, wow, that totally crystallized for me. I think there were certain sections in chapter four that really crystallized for me uh, when I ran the risk of alienating my fellow women by writing about mentorship and reverse mentorship and saying that gender loyalty is a myth. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually wrote a section on when it's time to discard a mentor, which I haven't seen anywhere. 
and that I've experienced given the nature of speech therapy where mentorship is built into the process, given the nature of me uh, bridging the educational and entrepreneurial arenas in my own life where I sought out mentors and truthfully I outgrew some of my mentors and went looking for new ones. That's also, by the way, some of the beauty of being connected with people on social media. You're able to learn at such an exponential rate and you're able to connect and gain so much thought leadership from people that you realize sooner, you know, rather than later when you've outgrown a mentor. And that's that, that section about mentorship and when to discard a mentor will actually give a list. It's probably going to be a controversial one for many people, especially women. <laughs> so they think, no, don't leave me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've never been a fan of should. <laughs> you know, uh, sh- I-, I should write this, I shouldn't write this. Uh, I've always, you know, ascribed to uh, Ben Franklin's uh, philosophy, be prepared, and, you know, Hamlet's philosophy, to thine own self be true. So I felt that it was important to write that because a lot of people talk about mentorship. And Jack Welch was the first one to coin the term reverse mentorship, which I think is a brilliant strategy to use today, especially because, you know, the the reality is that we're trying to fit different generations with different mindsets and different levels of tech savvy, millennials versus older seasoned professionals who don't have that tech experience all under the same umbrella. And that's why mentorship and reverse mentorship is more important than ever. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of controversy surrounding what does that really mean and how does social media play into that and, you know, how effective is uh, virtual mentorship versus real mentorship. So I added my own two cents. Well, you know, it, it it is interesting. You know, there are actual sites out there now now that specialize in mentorship, where you can uh, sign up for a mentor to be a mentor or uh, request a mentor and and get information. So I think that's an amazing opportunity. Whereas, you know, in the the old days of. 20 years ago or 15 years ago, if you want to mentor, it would be somebody in your city, in your business that you were lucky enough to run into and they were generous enough to say, yeah, I'll, I'll give you some pointers on an ongoing basis. You're absolutely right, Bob. It's We're living in, in a totally different mindset where not only do we have access to mentors like SCORE, which I'm very impressed with, but uh, you know, sites like LinkedIn and you know Twitter having uh, all you know uh, uh, the different diverse uh, uh, voices from different countries, from different backgrounds, makes it possible to have mentors in different industries. Yep, exactly. You know, I have, and as someone like me, I, I choose to very often to go outside of my own industry and gain different mentorship from people who are uh, from a different arena because I can gain a different perspective, which I think makes me a better entrepreneur because it helps me develop my empathy and it helps me develop my global thinking. Absolutely, and also you know, it's about thinking. yeah. Well, it's also about um, uh, the ability to get the answer to a problem from a completely different industry or perspective, which is refreshing. I, I find that a lot. Exactly. It, it's, you know, you're chatting with a bunch of people and that aren't in your business, and you you have the same problem. And I'm always the first person to, to throw it at. Hey, I've been having a problem with this. What do you guys think? And they may not know what the answer is specific, but they say, I kind of had a problem like this and this is how we handle it and that'll trigger something and you'll have a aha moment and it's like, oh, great, thanks. 
I totally agree. Not to mention the networking opportunities. And that's also a reality oh, of yeah. entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I took some very relevant topics in my book and, you know, either expanded on them to give more information to people who may not be so aware of them, or in other cases, I put my own spin on it, maybe a controversial one, but I felt that uh, it was relevant and, you know, I wanted it to be out there. Uh, you know, my book at the end of the day is a tool, like the iPad is a tool, you know, like like Score or, you know, listening to your wonderful radio show is a tool. It's really what people do with all this information. We're living in the information age. You know, we just celebrated the 25th birthday of the World Wide Web last week on March 12th. And it's amazing how much information is out there that can be curate, cur- curated. And it's amazing how much information is out there waiting for us to access, given, you know, mobile technology and and cloud computing, which saves everything. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to find our own learning system for our own brains and our own personalities and, you know, learning styles to process all this information and to actually implement it. Because a lot of people have asked me, you know, given how much, quote-unquote, philosophy and psychological aspects of entrepreneurship I write about in my book, you know, uh, what, what's my call to action? And my call to action is there's no right time to be an entrepreneur, especially now. You know, uh, given technology and, and given, you know, how we can learn more today at a much faster rate, at a much deeper uh, level, it's, it's time to harness time. It's time to cognitively harness time and pursue and act and do all those things that, you know, people wanted to do within the entrepreneurship arena. And that's really the message that I wanted to hit home. Well, you know, with that message in mind, this is a highly technical book as well. So I wanted to ask you, what's the best way to tackle the book? Can somebody skim through it, jump from chapter to chapter, or do you recommend that they read certain sections first or the whole book? That's a good question, and I don't really know how to answer that because I don't know the, the psychological makeup or the professional background of people who are going to read my book. <laughs> I've got people contacting me in social media marketing. Uh, I've got entrepreneurs. I've got people who are in the education uh, arena like me who want to pursue a second revenue stream. I have men. I have women. I have millennials reading my book, uh, you know, wanting to know some of the uh, economic uh, uh, sites. You know, my... my it is a technical book because every chapter has specific links that I recommend that they look at. Uh, for people who wanted to know some basics about why the iPad is such a game changer for entrepreneurship, I would tell them to read chapter three. I think it's chapter three. <laughs> for people who want to know an overview of what my book really is about, skim through chapter five. But for people who want to get the full flavor, I designed the chapters specifically the way they are and in the order that they, they're written to give a blueprint while somebody is becoming an entrepreneur, while somebody is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, while somebody is already an entrepreneur looking for a more well-rounded education about certain things. You know, there's a little bit of everything in there for everybody. Uh it's technical because I have specific information on social media and iPad use. Uh, for people who are diehard, uh, regular, outbound, 
content marketing, old school, non-social media folks, uh, my my advice would be to actually take a look at some of this stuff. But I understand, uh, you know, if uh, you have your tried and true uh, strategies for people who are on the fence about whether or not to implement more technology in their lives, specifically mobile technology using an iPad, I make a pretty good case for it. And, and of course, you know, for women in general who want to start their own business, and want a blueprint of how to get started both physically and mentally, I, I think my book is is uh, a good resource to add to your toolbox. Oh, absolutely. I, and I love the way you have, uh, you know, basically you have the book laid out as far as the, the organizational part. is basically... Um, Step one, step two, step three. You know, getting started. This is what you need to do to get started, to get your way planned and and moving, and then getting clients. And I think that is a critical f- phase of many many business books that are out there. They don't even mention the client, and uh, that's you know, if you don't have any clients, you don't have a business. Right, and I think I learned that the hard way because the type of business that I started out doing as an entrepreneur was really client-centric. It was client-based. You know, I, I started a consulting firm where I wanted to give specific specialized seminars to people in special education, in regular education, in the educational technology community, in the autism community, uh, you know, and uh, the only way I could have survived was, uh, you know, the only way I did survive was uh, and start to flourish was, was to understand I can have the greatest mission statement that really resonates emotionally with people. I can have the greatest blueprint in terms of a business plan and mentors, and I can even get venture capital, though I have to state for the record, I, I'm a bootstrapper and proud of it. <laughs> but uh, if I don't have a client who's interested in my service or product, it's all just theory. You know, it, it's all just a very nice uh, argument and debate of intellect, yes. you know, without much implementation. Yes. yes. And, and that's why I designed the book the way that I did, you know, so that I could balance out the humanity and technology and really balance out the physical and mental aspects, you know, that people don't... Uh, don't think about. Uh, there's a great writer who I quoted at the end of my book, Austin Kleon. He wrote Steal Like an Artist, and his uh, new book, which uh, I reviewed on Amazon, but I apologize, I cannot remember how things work. I think that's what it is. His, his new book just came out. Anyway, Austin Kleon has been known to say, write the type of book you want to read. And in my history of research, uh, learning myself from books, finding, you know, like-minded books that I could uh, quote in my own book, I realized that there, there were definite things, definitely things that women wanted to know about, like getting clients, like you said, that weren't written in other books. So I took Austin Kleon's advice and I wrote the book that I wanted to read. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I did. And hopefully there will be other people who will say, yes, we agree. We wanted to read this stuff, too. <laughs> and it's important. I mean, there's some really important stuff in there. And I just really like the way it's it's put out uh, in a real honest, upfront, hey, look, this is the way that you have to do this, and now you have to do this. So a person that has no idea what to do 
can get a lot out of the book. But a person that's uh, at the beginning of their journey or have decided to go in a certain direction, there's value. But people that have been doing it for a long time, it enables them to refocus and re-understand how they're doing their business and maybe uh, improve and implement better. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, and it's totally true. Uh, like I said, there's a little bit of everything, you know, for everybody. I have over 500 links, you know, to uh, blog posts, websites, articles that I've read that were very helpful. Uh, I did something which, uh, being a woman and a woman in education and entrepreneurship, you know, felt right for me. I got some teasing from my, you know, male friends and, and male counterparts in entrepreneurship that every chapter starts with a quote by a woman and by a man, as opposed to the famous business books out there that have one quote, usually a man. You know, and of course, I defined uh, a lot of the terms, and then at the end of each chapter is a section called Penina's Pointers, where I really give, usually in list format, uh, you know, practical how-to advice on the different aspects that I'm bringing up in the chapters. And I want to thank Jude Pennypacker for really preserving the vision I had for this book, working with me so beautifully, uh, such a great person, such a great editor, who even puts a list of Tanina's pointers at the very front of the book in case uh, there are people still making up their minds whether or not this is a practical book. Uh, for entrepreneurs, they can see all the different you know, pointer sections that I have and then decide for themselves. For all our listeners out there, what is one piece of advice that you could give them today to get them on the right track? Truthfully, be a mythbuster. <laughs> I like it. It's something that it's, yeah, it's something I wrote about at the end when I talked about three myths that are not only unhelpful, but are dangerous for an entrepreneur. And I wrote about the myth of entrepreneurship in one of my recent Huffington Post uh, uh, articles, which, you know, you can just look online and find me and, you know, see for yourself. But be a myth buster. There, there is a, how do I put this? There is a rock star quality now to the title entrepreneur. And I find that Anyone and everyone wants to call themselves an entrepreneur, to become an entrepreneur, and it is so important to know the truth versus all the myths that are out about what it takes to be an entrepreneur, the mistakes people will make as an entrepreneur that will help them eventually succeed and thrive, and all of the urban legends as opposed to the real war stories that we need to know. You know, that it's time to be a myth. It's time to be a myth buster in entrepreneurship. And having said that, I'll also tell people, trust your instincts. Today's, today's uh, professional, no matter if what their gender is or what their industry, today's professional is much more well-informed and much more learned as a whole and 20 years ago, you know, certainly 50 years ago. Uh, and what we learn becomes, and what, and what we think becomes part of us. You know, as Aristotle says, what we do, we are what we repeatedly do. So if I would have waited around for the right time to be an entrepreneur, if I would have believed all the myths people were telling me, uh, it's a little bit incredible when I think about it 
that I was firmly in the educational arena. And now, less than a year later, I published a book on entrepreneurship, and I have been practicing as both an educator and entrepreneur and having a lot of people tell me, thank you, you know, for being honest, no matter where you write, you know, uh, we, we're learning something, we appreciate, uh, you know, the, the insights that you're providing, and they're so true. So at the end of the day, it's important to trust your instincts and just keep learning. That will help you hone those instincts. Well, definitely, if you're pushing forward, uh, reading a book like this is going to make a massive difference. It's called The Nice Reboot, A Guide to Becoming a Better Female Entrepreneur. But you know what? I think if you read it as a man, you'll become a better entrepreneur in general. Uh, it's got a subtext called How to Balance Your Cravings for Humanity and Technology in Today's Startup Culture. A definite must-read for any woman, and I would say for many of the men that listen to the show. Yes, I just wanted to tell everybody, my website is niceinitiative.com, and you can find out all about my book, and you can find out about the NICE Initiative for Female Entrepreneurship, which will be launching soon, and it has my digital footprint to all my other social media sites, uh, I am very visible between my educational hat and my entrepreneurial hat. Everything converges on LinkedIn. I invite people to find me, connect with me. I am great about answering emails. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. You can find me there as well. There's no such thing as saying we can't find Pina Ryback online. We don't know how to connect with her. We don't know where she is. <laughs> you are definitely, I, even on your emails, you've got a ton of links. And you know, this, uh, just to let you guys know, there are an amazing amount of links in this book. And I'm sure if you go to uh, her website and some of her other links, you will find a plethora of other information so it's like an it's like a university degree that's what i would i would dub it on that level uh you can learn and keep learning <laughs> and keep learning <laughs> so thank you again for I coming take on my the... content curation seriously <laughs> i link a lot of other blog posts to my blog posts i provide a lot of links in the book and also on my nice initiative website including an amazon reading list you can find under the nice reboot reading list on Amazon, a collection of books that are on my radar now that did not make it into the into the book. Obviously, uh, you know the book was published, and, and uh, well, we're always learning. We're always looking for new information. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, a ton of lists on the back. There's there's two great lists here. Uh, Thirty links to nice entrepreneurs, and then uh, twenty links to balancing craving humanity technology and 15 links i mean this book is chock a block of links uh so for sure lots and lots of you know you read the book but then if you go through all the links and stuff you probably got two or three more books worth of information so thanks for coming on <laughs> don't, don't tell jim <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on the show it was wonderful and and very educational thank you so much bob it's a pleasure to be here and it was a pleasure speaking with you Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, leave comments, or make a request on our website, businessbooktalk.com. See you next week.